What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I was 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. The Fox scores five in the open court. to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. I think I've turned a corner in my quarantine where I accepted things. I'm, I'm being healthier. I was eating so much the first week. I was all freaked out. Uh, I'm like, I'm dieting. I'm exercising. I'm doing my YouTube yogas and what all, and uh, I'm in a good place, man. How are you? That's funny. I feel the same way. Like, I got a little bit of a home routine now. I feel like this is probably more common than we think where, you know, these first, what has it been, like two weeks of just kind of mm-hmm. relaxing and a little unproductive at home, and then I'm like, all right, I got to get on top of my shit, and yeah, I've been doing that a little bit more recently, so holding up with all this quarantine stuff, um, but on the pod today, topic-wise, we got the next position we're moving on to with these pre-hiatus report cards, and we got power forwards today, Rich. Yeah, and this is going to be kind of – I think this is going to be a little bit tricky of just where to start because I think we did, you know, start with the best player at each position, and I actually think there's a little bit of a debate here. <laughs> I mean. Does a guy that played 13 games really get debate for the best player right now? Yeah, maybe not. I mean, I don't know if we're if we're doing this forward facing and like looking towards next season. Um, you know, obviously we don't know what's going to happen the rest of this season. If there will be that season or whatever. Um, but if you were if we're trying to do the starter at each position first. Who are you? Who would you want to kick this off with? Um, hmm. I mean, I'd probably kick it off with Bielita, considering that he started most of this year and last year when Bagley was available as well. I know they were kind of looking to change that. Um, so I'd probably go with Bielita. I mean, I do have Bagley ranked higher in regards to this one-year player option. What would it take for you to keep him? But I would have Bielita as the starter. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Bagley did start day one this season when he was yeah. healthy, so it's tough. But 
Or we could really, you know, I mean, maybe Jabari. <laughs> maybe oh, Jabari's the starter. Yeah. And it's worth noting, like, um, that Bagley did play 88% of those minutes of the 13 games at the center position. We just put him in the power forward segment because really there weren't that many other power forwards and we already had a couple other centers. So we grouped Bagley into this power forward thing as well. Um, and maybe he ends up starting alongside Bielitsa at some point. Yeah, that's interesting. I think you probably would need an injury to Holmes at that point. Um, yeah. I would think my personal guess would be that Bagley will start at power forward next season alongside Holmes. Um, but, yeah. yeah, nothing's guaranteed. I mean, it's that just that fit alone is not ideal. Yeah, fair enough. So then maybe we'll start with Bagley here then, um, if you're good with that. And usually we do, I mean, strengths and weaknesses, but I don't know what you can necessarily point out strengths-wise from these 13 games. I mean, we know the weaknesses of shooting and really this tweener of a 4-5, and is he going to fit in either position? Um, Are his numbers going to actually contribute to winning, or is it just going to be free rebounds that he's just getting um, because he's more athletic than everyone else on some Willie Willie Cauley-Stein sort of situation there. Um, What strengths stand out to you from Bagley? I don't know. I mean, also from the 75 games that – I'm sorry, 62 games that he played in his rookie year. So, yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. What what strengths stand out to you here? Yeah, it's tough because this is – there's nothing really new for us to – there's no new strengths that came out of this season for Bagley. Um, He kind of is – the guy that he was at the end of last year. Um, I don't think that 13 games can really do much in terms of revealing anything new. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think the the second chance points are a lot of what his game is built off of. I went and looked at his synergy profile for both this year and last year, and Last year, he really didn't have anything above average. Like there's, you know, slight above, slightly above average on cuts to the basket, just just barely 55th percentile. But really, everything was, you know, around 50th percentile or lower. All play types, you know, isolation, post up, transition, that type of stuff, uh, pick and roll. But really, what he was great at was off of offensive. Putbacks off of uh, offensive boards, you know, putbacks. He was in the 84th percentile there, and then this year the same deal. Um, yeah, 83rd percentile there as well, and that's really his. That's like his most elite strength on offense, which is weird because it's like very situational, but it does. It is very valuable to take a missed shot and turn it into a bucket. It is, but it's not the value that you expect. That in itself is not enough value from what is your number two overall pick, and he's always going to be connected to the Kings passing on Luka Doncic to pick Bagley. And, I mean, if that's the main skill that you're pointing at, um, then, I mean, you're really in trouble here. And you were hoping this year to be development. I mean, we knew that Bagley was a raw talent, but for this year to potentially be a step backwards rather than progressing forward, obviously really hurts and I mean injuries can be 
really one of his main weaknesses here. Um, at least you have concern with that after missing 20 games rookie year and then again only playing 13 in this season. And, I mean, quite frankly, the team's worse on both ends with him on the floor. Yeah, they they are. Um, I, th- I do think he has more strengths than that one, but I would say that that's where you kind of start. That is his his best strength. I think we I think we've even talked about him being one of the best offensive rebounders in the league, um, projecting forward a little bit. Yeah. Like I could see him being kind of like there are points where he could be the best offensive rebounder in the game, and so much of that is built off that second jump that he's famous for in his athletic profile. And it doesn't really apply as well on the defensive side because you don't you don't really need a second jump for defensive rebounds. You know, a lot of defensive rebounds are positioning, boxing out. You, I mean, if you go up for one, if you go, you know, if you get your first jump off to get a board, I don't see a scenario where you would need to come down and back up. It's the kind of unpredictable bounces that happen off of uh, offensive boards where there isn't anyone kind of boxing you out or often he's getting his own shot back, I would imagine. Yeah, and, you know, that athleticism does help in transition, and as much as Walton kind of went away from that a little bit compared to Jaeger, it's still part of the game when you have De'Aaron Fox out there, and maybe that would have been utilized more had Bagley been available to play alongside Fox. Um, So I think there is still some logic with that pairing as well, but it's hard to say um, that this year was anything but a, I mean, a failure in like a negative grade. Is it, I mean, is it even harsh to say a failure of a year for Bagley? I mean, when you feel his development and you don't play. Yeah, it feels a little bit harsh because it's something that is probably out of his control, right? Um, And I mean, it's, it's true, but harsh because it's not that he let the team down or anything. It's a circumstance without, you know, outside of his control. But I will say that the numbers aren't good, um, even across the board. He did improve the free throw percentage, so you do appreciate that. We talked about that in the last episode, up above 80% just slightly. But the fouls per game were surprisingly took a huge jump from 1.9 to 3.3. Um, I'm actually just going to pull up the for 36, yeah, up from 2.8 to 4.6 for 36. We're getting into, like, Giles' territory there, uh, mm-hmm. Holmes' territory. And um, as well as the, the three-point shooting kind of went away, um, again, super small sample size, but from 31% to 18, yeah. that's um, it's surprising. Right, and that was, I mean, obviously he's – projected to have most of his impact on the offensive end. And if you're a restricted or unreliable jump shooter, then, I mean, we obviously know the issues that that can cause in regards to really unlocking the rest of your game and the capabilities that Bagley will probably have at some point throughout his career. But, yeah, I mean, cleaning the glass has their, like, on-off effective field goal percentage when for the Kings, when Bagley's on the floor, is 3% worse. And for the opposing teams, it's 2.4% better when Bagley's on the floor. Um, they're, aside from the offensive rebounding, there's not many times in this on-off where you really see Bagley or Sacramento being better with Bagley on the floor. And, I mean, maybe he was playing with bench units a little bit more. And you could say the start of the year when he was there, I mean, he was only available actually. I think it was, was it that very first game and then he went out right after? 
Yeah, he got the broken thumb yeah. uh, from, like, a, a swipe from DeAndre Ayton, I believe, and then didn't play again for a while, came back, and then uh, he had a, a foot situation, a midfoot sprain, and then came back yeah. and aggravated it. Um, and that was a lot of the talk around the questions about the training staff and if they were being transparent and stuff because, right. you know, our our former, the team's former trainer, head of training, and then, you know, our buddy, uh, everyone's friend online, who's really a great guy, Pete Youngman, that was when he spelled it out that he was like, this either, you know, isn't, this is either something else or there just was a lack of transparency because it doesn't add up to every aggravation. Like, why would he have played all these games and then they classify it as a re-aggravation. It just doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and, I mean, obviously missing all that time has uh, caused, I mean, this year to be so unsuccessful, like we kind of mentioned. And, you know, he was had a partner that was brought in in Dwayne Dedman that was really brought in, I thought, specifically to fit alongside Bagley, and that should work. And, that Deadman fit did not work well. So there's a combination of things that you could maybe make a case that they should have gone better for Bagley. Um, but And maybe they, I still have some hope for next season that, you know, Bagley can still turn this around. Um, and if he can remain healthy, that maybe he can progress into a, you know, a serviceable, I mean, at very least, you know, the goal to aim for right now is a positive impact player. Yeah, I wonder, um, do you think that Marvin Bagley could be a positive role player? Like, not a star, not the focus of an offense, but just kind of like a role player? Um, I mean, I, I think kind of, hmm, I mean, he could, but it's about accepting that in a way. You know, I mean... A lot of times I think that there are big name or high drafted guys that could do that, but, I mean, the expectations were so big coming in that it's not really going to happen that way. Yeah, because I don't see that happening. Um, I was talking with some Kings Herald guys about this, and I kind of see it as, as a little bit all or nothing for Bagley, at least with the Kings, where he is going to either be the focus of the offense or he's not going to like what he's got because he just – he is such a high-usage guy, doesn't pass, doesn't really defend at a high level. Don't, we don't really project that as part of his game. So, you know, role players generally – you know, there are some role players that are like just microwave scorers, um, but generally a role player has got to at least not hurt ball movement and defense. And I just have trouble seeing that with Marvin. I think he either needs to – it's going to all click for him and he's going to become a really big offensive weapon, like a number one, number two option, maybe number three option, but like a high usage number three. Or he's going to kind of bottom out to where he's going to be a, a bench guy that's not really helping. What do you think of like a bench scenario – and I know we use this for Holmes, but like a Montrezl Harrell, because 
Bagley would could just be completely offensive and be the focal point of a second unit, no? Maybe. I mean, that's a good example of a guy that's a real player that's not a great passer or defender, but I don't know. I mean, I think there's something about Harrell where he didn't come from that stock of, like, yeah. a blue chip, you know, right, number one high guy. school prospect, number two overall draft pick. Yeah. Where I wonder if he would be good with that role. Like, I mean, would he take a two-year, $12 million contract to be a sixth man? Like, ah, right. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair, and I think that's where the question question lies with uh, the Bagley potentially being a role player sort of conversation there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we touched on it, but we give a grade to each of these guys. And for Bagley, I mean, it was hard for me to not – put an F here like uh, I debated a D I guess because like you said I mean it's not his fault for the injuries but in in the reality of the expectations for what we're going into this year it was just some sort of progression for me and for there to be an argument that it went in the opposite direction I had to go with an F for this one I feel like I have to go incomplete I mean Alex Lennon almost played as many minutes as he did you know I mean yeah he really did not play many minutes, 300 minutes. It's yeah. just – it was very disappointing. Um, yeah, maybe a D, maybe an incomplete. Yeah, I won't push you on a grade there. I think incomplete's totally fair. Um, but the more interesting one is if there was a player option for Bagley next year, how – what is the highest it could be and you would pick up to keep him on the Sacramento roster? This is really hard. I think that we were pretty – pretty kind with the Giles situation and we built in a lot of his value on the back end of of the growth and potential and we really like Giles anyway. Um, but like you said, you you kind of put what the actual value he would bring on the court, your best guess, you kind of doubled that for what you would do, you know, considering potential growth and down the line the the ability to keep him. I'd probably do the same thing here. I might put his value on the court around maybe ten million, but I also think that like gun to my head, I wouldn't really want them to decline an option for anything less than twenty million just to just to keep him around, knowing that he does have potential. Well, yeah, I actually have the exact same number in front of me here, um, and it's because he does have. He still has this very high ceiling that he could come back, be healthy, show this unstoppable offensive potential that is there, just overwhelming athleticism if he got a little bit stronger um, and maybe the game slowed down a little bit for him, that he still has all the tools and pieces there that there's no way you should just let him walk out the door quite yet. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just to keep that level of talent, I agree with you. I mean, there were – I started with lower numbers, and then I had the same issue as you. Is like, okay, but would I really want them to turn down sixteen right. million to of Bagley to sixteen million dollars to let Bagley walk next year? There's no way. Um, right. And if it was over twenty, like I probably wouldn't get all too upset. I, I would understand at that point. Yeah, um, let me kind of resurrect our conversation about the. Um, when we were ranked, you know, we ranked the assets on the team, and I kind of had this, I, I definitely had a hot take about 
the number 12 pick in the draft being more valuable than Bagley. And I think you were right to take the other side of that, to say that Bagley is a more valuable asset, that you could probably get a higher pick in the draft. Just if, if you wanted to approach it like that, you could trade him for maybe the fifth pick or something like that. Um, but I want to revisit this because it kind of speaks to that role player concept where I just for the Kings, for the version of the team that we know that we have, I think I almost would rather have a guy at the 12th pick that I felt like could be a role player. Yeah, you're definitely losing that, that, that superstar potential. Like you're kind of, you're giving up on that entirely if you were to prefer the 12th pick. Um, but, you know, there's a chance that, that you hit the lottery and the ping pong balls land right and you, you move up. But really it's – you're looking at probably staying around that area. And I just don't know. I mean, good guys have been drafted around pick 12, like good, useful role players. And there isn't maybe that upside. But just looking back on – on some guys that have been picked in that number 12 area. Um, the 12th pick the last few years, you've got P.J. Washington, pick 12th this year, Tyler Harrow, 13th, yeah. uh, hero. Um, you got Thibault, pick 20th, Brandon Clark, 21st. Like, those types of guys I think would actually be more useful. And, you know, of course you could swing and miss, right? Yeah. That's a possibility. But then – the year before that, Miles Bridges was 12. You know, MTJ. Collins was 19, I believe. 14, yeah. Um, DiVincenzo, mm-hmm. Herder, uh, Herder Akogi, even with, like, that defense and the length. I don't know. I mean, he's definitely a role player type, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, I mean, I'm just, just going to go back one more year here to look at 2017. But 12 was Kennard. 13 was Donovan Mitchell. 14, Bam Adebayo. So, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, even OG Ananobi, yeah, like you mentioned, John Collins, Jarrett Allen down here, Derek White even. Like, just a guy that if I felt like there was a good chance to have a solid role player, I think I might give up some of that that upside. So is your question kind of here, would you rather have Sacramento's pick this year or Marvin Magley moving forward? I think we kind of answered it by you You said you wanted to stick with the upside, and I came around to yeah. your point there. But I think that's a good explanation of where I'm coming from, where rather than roll the dice and have Bagley be this huge upside but potential bust, I might rather go with, like, a safer option. What if, what if we said, like, you know, hey, Marvin Bagley could be the next, like, second best player on this team outside of Darren Fox? or he could flame out, or instead of taking that risk, you could just have, like, Marcus Smart. Right. Um, And, I mean, for the Kings situation, where's your other opportunity to get a second option, though, you know? Yeah. And I think that you kind of have to roll the dice with Bagley because it's not very common for you to get this type of talent available to you for me i just don't know if i buy marvin bagley as like the theory um i hope that i'm proven wrong i hope that this is all stupid and and i'm made fun for this for the rest of my life that i ran out of sacramento but i don't know that 
a non-shooting, non-center big man is really going to work. And his whole game is built around being an elite athlete. I think um, our friend Ray talked to us about this, that he's – the whole theory of Bagley is that he's, like, the best athletic player. He's a total freak, right? He's a total physical freak. You can't contain him. But if the, the quickest way to derail that is lower body injuries, and he's showing that. Yeah, and obviously there's a concern there. Um, that one's more of a question mark. And, yeah, maybe the foot thing is some sort of reoccurring issue that lingers throughout his career and becomes a serious problem. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the level of talent that's there. I mean, there's potential in the jump shot. I think he, he does pretty good from the mid-range with it. Um, and so I, I see – some opportunity there and like I said I mean I see the logic with Fox and I think that combined with the the pure talent that you're talking about that Bagley has um, and even though there is all these injuries and there are question marks with fit and all that I see the argument on how he would work with Fox with really just running in transition um, and taking advantage of teams that way enough that I mean I'm leaning that you got to really you, you got to play Bagley through until it's clear that there's just nothing you're going to get from him. Yeah, and he may be another guy like Buddy Heald that just kind of was hurt by the lack of transition play too. Um, yeah, like you said, it, having that athleticism in the open court is very valuable, but if you play slower, that slowly goes away. Um, and just to point out, you know, this season, looking at these synergy numbers one last time, he was 7th percentile in post-ups and 7th percentile in spot-up shooting. So, like, Oof. neither of those work. So, I mean, if he could just be a role man, he did show a little bit of promise. He was around 50% for a 50 percentile last season as a role man, and he was a little bit higher, 59th percentile. So, I mean, if, if we can just – if he can be an effective role man, you know, that's going to be huge, and I would like that. Yeah, if him, it's him or Fox that needs the jumper for that pick and roll to be effective. One of them right. needs the jumper because they can't both be rolling to the basket. Right. But yeah, I'm good with that. Twenty million for the Bagley player option. I'll, I'll go with you as an incomplete on the grade, considering there was only 13 games played. And I'm good to move on to Bielita here if you are. Yeah, I am. I I still would buy in on on Bagley and another year and. I think that you definitely see him through the rookie contract and hope that he earns, you know, a big second deal. But, yeah, I'm ready to talk about Nemanja. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE in all caps. Bet online, your online wagering experts.
Yeah, so starting with Bielitsa, I mean, you got to start with the shooting. It's it's what Professor Big Shots is known for. Fuck it, we deserve these wins. Uh, killed it this year. And the sixth best three-point percentage of guys with at least four attempts, the names Seth Curry, J.J. Redick, Duncan Robinson, Doug McDermott, Davis Bertans, and then Nemanja Bielitsa, 42.4% from three. 53% from the corners uh, per cleaning the glass. Just absolutely ridiculous shooter. And underrated the rest of his offensive game is um, he's got a nice floater to him. He's able to put the ball on the floor and can make halfway decent passes. He'll get you a help side block every once in a while, and that's about the extent of his defense, though. Um, but mm-hmm. it's really that... Absolutely, I have your godlike shooting in range that you're getting from Bielitsa. Yeah, this is a guy who is, it's, he has that elite skill. He's kind of like the buddy heel to big men in some ways where you can bank that one skill for sure. Um, you know, and it's up for debate a little bit, a lot of the other stuff, but there's no question. Um, to contrast that seventh, uh, seventh percentile for, Bagley on spot-ups, you got Bielitsa here in the 94th percentile. Um, and on insane volume, too, um, yeah. obviously. Um, and, yeah, like, on the flip side, not doing so great on those putbacks, not getting up for a lot of <laughs> <laughs> offensive rebounds. But, yeah, he also was really sharp on um, pick and rolls. He was 77th percentile as a roll man. Well, yeah, that's that's unexpected there. It's really – you get the whole offensive game from Bielitsa. I mean – like I said, he'll surprise you with a floater sometimes. His finish is is decent in a way. Um, and you forget that this guy was just absolutely ran a team in the Euro League and really has a full offensive package to himself. And defensively, while he definitely is not a good defender and a liability for the Kings more often than not, I mean, he showed some versatility this year with being able to slide to the five a little bit when they need him to, and there were minutes he played with Bagley where Bielita really was the five defensively. Yeah, um, he's crafty and he's smart and he's inventive. Um, he, you know, he's he's always going to do something on his toes. Um, when he's put in a tough position, I feel like he makes the right choices a lot. That's offense and defense. Um, I think his his ability to pass is underrated. I know I came on here with a hot take about him being the best passer on the Kings, best career passer. Uh, he obviously can't create the space that a, a guy like Darren Fox can, but he was hooking up with Rashawn Holmes on a lot of really nice like little little two-man action, throwing up some alley-oops to Holmes early in the season. They were on a hot streak. And, yeah, on defense, it's like he does well with what he's got physically, I'd say. Yeah, and that's just saying that he doesn't really have anything going for him physically because he's getting blown by. Um, yeah, like I said, I feel like occasionally you'll get a nice help side block from him, but on-ball defense, you don't stand all too much of a chance with Bielitsa. Um, and But, yeah, you know what you're getting. I mean, you're getting a sharpshooter that people can never forget about on the perimeter, and there's a lot of value to that, especially from this stretch four. I mean, when you're 6'10 and you're launching it from – from the freaking logo with no hesitation at 43%, then, I mean, there's there's a lot of value in just that. And I think the number 
for him is where this conversation gets interesting. And I mean, next year there's a 7.15 million non-guarantee option. And I mean, you pick that up, right? You for sure pick that up. I would say for me, I'd pick it up to 12 and a half. Um, I, I think we put Holmes at 15. And like I just said, I had Bagley at like, he's giving you $10 million worth of play. But then obviously I, I doubled that for the promise and the growth and the potential. And Felix is not really getting you anything on that side of things. So I'd probably stick pretty, pretty hard at 12 and a half. Yeah, I went 10 for Bielita. Um, I know Sacramento is not in position to be spending money right now, but if you compare kind of that money to, like, what would you pay a – would you have to pay $12 million for, you know, uh, Jeremy Grant? Probably, but I would prefer Jeremy Grant. Um, like a Marcus Morris got a little bit more than that. Um, and they're a little bit different here, but I think that there's a decent amount of power forwards that are, when you get closer to that kind of 15, that made me hesitate to put it up a little bit higher than this 10. I can understand that. Um, but say you, say it costs 11, 12 million to keep him and you pass, how, what would be your, what would you replace him with with that money? Right, and that's the issue is that Sacramento is just looking at some exception in order to do that. Um, and, and not even, like, say that they have that in total, like, completely free space. Like, who, like, I, I, I mean, would Bertans, what would he sign at that, yeah. For a one-year deal? Yeah, I mean, like, could you get, I don't know, does Paul Millsap make any sense? Is he too old here? I mean, but if, like, that's a defensive veteran that kind of interests me. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, like I mentioned, uh, Maurice Harkless interests me and Marcus Morris. But it's really probably – Harkless, yeah. I like Harkless, but I think some of that you'd still be building in that he is still in his 20s. And, and I mean, the shooting that you're getting for Bielisa is, is so valuable in regards to what when you're looking at the rest of the roster. Like if Bazemore is going to remain on this team as a high-impact player, he's not giving you any shooting. Um, there's, like we mentioned, Bagley. I mean, the centers that Sacramento has on their roster right now aren't giving you any shooting. Um, so you're right. I mean, I probably would lean Bielitsa a little more over all of these guys. Like, I don't think you're getting Gallinari um, for $12 million. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Bobby Portis, I don't care for. No. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I'd probably stick with Bielitsa here. So I could get up to your – I could get up to your 12 and a half. I mean, and it's fine if we have different thoughts here. I just think, for me, I split it because I feel like $10 million is, is what you'd pay for, like, an elite bench player, and 15 is what you pay for, like, a lower-end starter. So I just huh. kind of – because I don't even know if he's going to start or come off the bench, but I kind of split the difference. Right, right. Yeah, that's totally fair. And, I mean, the reason he's starting is because that shooting is so valuable. Um, so that kind of speaks to that a little bit there. Yeah, I'm good with uh, – I'll meet you at this 12.5 here for him. And in regards to the grade of his season, I mean, I went with an A. Like, I, I think I was close to, like, a B plus, but we hadn't done any plus or minuses. So I guess I kind of strayed away from that a little bit and just went to full A. I mean, if you look at a guy that's averaging 12 points on 47% from the field, 42% from deep, and 82% from the line, 
I mean, this is what you would hope for from this role player that, like you said, initially was kind of this bench and could fill in starting when you need, but a month of 47% from three, a month of 45.8% from three. I mean, he did what you asked him to do at the most elite level, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. It's um, maybe not as shocking of an A. Maybe it's not an A+, plus, like I guess Holmes, because of the considering the expectations were so low for a guy like him. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I could ask him to do more. You know, uh, you know. Also, just want to point out his two-point percentage was really impressive as well. A guy like him who doesn't get up, you know, is not really like an above-the-basket player. Uh, made 52.4 percent of his, his twos. That feels good. Like the finishing is good. The free throw shooting is good career highs in a lot of places. Um, yeah, I, I don't I, – I have no – I have no request to this man. Just keep keep doing you, Nemanja. And, and what's interesting is I, I noticed that when I listened back to our uh, grades from last season, he was kind of the only guy that we talked about as falling off potentially, and that was because he was the oldest guy on the roster – um, and I know there was questions about his role at all this season. Uh, I'm going to expose Tim here for uh, uh, one of his takes. He he thought that Nemanja would fall out of the rotation altogether and wouldn't be a part of this season when we did our rotation predictions. Um, and it wasn't like a crazy take at the time because there was Giles, there was Holmes, there was Bagley who we thought was going to be healthy all year. So – you know, I, I, I don't want to fault him or anything, but this was kind of a surprise. I mean, just, just the longevity. Yeah, it definitely was. I, I think that's that's totally fair to say. I didn't expect him to keep up the play of last year. I thought that the beginning of last year especially was an outlier, and he did slow down a little bit from that. But this year he really kept that up throughout most of the season. He had a couple points of being down. Um, and, and you're right about the, this A not being the same level as Holmes, and that had me a little hesitant. So, you know, this would be an A-, minus. Holmes is an A-plus sort of thing. Um, but really, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's nothing else that I could ask Bielitsa to do. Um, so I'm good with going this $12.5 million and an A for Bielitsa. And that leaves us with the last one here. Let me ask real quick before we go on from Bielitsa. Yeah. Do you think that there's any chance for him to fall off now? I mean, we kind of thought it was possible – did we just were we off by a year? Um, because he is going to be 32 um, in a couple weeks here. Do we start start to see a slide? So I mean, there's no athleticism that he relies on, you know. So like, where is he slowing down? Like, it'd have to be him losing like the same amount of want in a way. I feel like, and just really slowing down because he can't keep up with the amount of training that it's taking anymore. So, I mean, that's kind of more what you're questioning rather than the athleticism falling off. Um, I think that athleticism can still fall off. Like, we don't see it, but you still can lose a step even if it doesn't feel like you have any left to lose. Yeah. I feel like it's possible. That's fair. And even a step slower is terrifying. Right. Exactly. Like, catch and shoot is great and all, but if you – if you lose a step from where Imani's at athletically, that that just might not be a, an NBA player at a certain point. Yeah, which is totally fair. Um, 
I don't think that you expect like 30 minutes a night from him like they're kind of pushing for this year. Um, but this year was a little bit of an outlier in regards to the minutes because of Bagley's injury for the most part. So I think that you could expect maybe a slight drop-off in regards to these these numbers that he's giving you, but mainly I think that they could stay close to the same if it's just less minutes that he's looking at. I like that take a lot, and I think that it's kind of – goes back to Bagley. You need Bagley to be your starter and your minutes-eating power forward. And, yeah. you know, you need him to play 28 minutes a night, 30 minutes a night, and then let Bielitsa play 15. Right. And I, I think Bielitsa would do absolutely great in that role. Um, and if he does have that role, you know, it's probably less than $12.5 million that you're expecting him. But that also means that Bagley's playing at a higher role than – like you said, I mean, it's like $10 million encore value right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm all good with uh, with that Bielitsa closing there. And then for Jabari Parker, I mean, what do we even what do we even cover here? <laughs> I don't know, man. I wish that Jabari Parker were not on this team. Yeah, so the money. Like, I even if there was a minimum player option, would you pick it up? Like, no. I wouldn't either. I would – I would much rather have just an open roster spot. Yeah, like give me like, you know, I'm going to go like Simi Ojale or some end-of-the-bench guy. Like, You know what's weird, though? I will just say, let me just read his points per game. I know that points per game is like a – it's not a great way to assess value, but let me just read his points per game every year of his career here. 12.3, 14.1, 20.1. 12.6, 14.5, and then 14.7 this most recent year. I mean, it's weird to say I don't even want – I'd rather have an empty roster spot than that. Yeah, because, I, I mean, most of those years that he's really getting numbers, he's not on teams that are actually going anywhere. There's that Bucks one, and then the first opportunity the Bucks got, they got rid of him because, I mean, he practically lost them the playoff series against Boston when he just – could not defend anyone or he, he was just the biggest liability ever on the defensive end that the offense isn't making up for it. Um, and he is a little bit of a black hole on offense. So Yeah, for sure. He's like all the downside of Marvin Bagley. Yeah. It's like he's Another kind of like a power forward how to do Yeah. He's kind of like a shadow. He's the worst case. He's the living, walking, worst case scenario for Marvin Bagley. Yeah, except a couple more inches. <laughs> and a couple more pounds. Yeah. So would you rather have Jabari Parker on this team next year or Anthony Tolliver? Oh, man. I guess I would say Parker just because he's a younger guy. Like, I think that Tolliver has succumbed to that non-NBA level of athleticism that we were just discussing yeah. With Bealey, so where he's going to be 35, like, and the man was never an athletic, you know, superstar. Like, yeah. Tolliver, I worry is just, I think he's just cooked. I think he's just washed. I'd probably go Tolliver only because I'm thinking neither of these guys are playing at all, anyways. And then you're looking for like a good locker room presence. Yeah, I'd probably, you know, take the vet, the guy that's on the players' mm-hmm. board and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, but either way, I mean, these are. 
non uh, non impact moves that are, that we're talking about here. And minimum for Parker, I'd still drop him. But guess what? He's got a six point five million dollar player option, so expect him around. And what do you think is going to happen with that? Like, is he just the Caleb Swanigan of next season? Uh, because the Kings don't like cut bait. They they wait and they look for someone like even though Swanigan would have cost two million to cut, they're like, no, we will find a way. We will find a way to recoup some sort of value for for this. He's just a trade a trade chip. We'll find a way. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's going to pick up that option, obviously, and then you know Sacramento could use him as a trade, a just trade filler at the deadline, really. Like, say there was a Malik Beasley type guy available where they're deciding, you know, we'll throw in a good second rounder for this guy and pretty much here's Jabari is just filler for that. Yeah, or like Stack, say they end up moving on from whoever, Corey Joseph, and they want to add his, take his $12 and try to get someone worth, you know, someone going around 20, get like a base more type salary and then try to get a change of pace. Or I guess you'd want more if you're giving up. Corey Joseph, but but something like that where you stack him on to a another trade. Yeah, bad matching salary, um, bad matching expiring salary is very important for making trades happen. So that's about the only value that Parker brings to the team. Um, but I think that's all we got here, man. We got twenty million for the player option for Bagley and gave him an incomplete grade for Bielitsa. We got twelve point five million player option we'd be willing to pick up and an A on the grade there. And then we also mentioned Jabari Parker <laughs> and said that we would not pick up a minimum option. Yeah. Um, no grade needed. I know some people are still holding out for Jabari, but, um, yeah, I don't know. going to have to see a lot before I think anything of, of Jabari. Sorry. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Sorry, Jabari. That's totally bars right there. Bagley, hit me up. Need my help. <laughs> Um, but I think that's all we got here, man. Is there any other any other things that you want to throw out here? No, no, that's it. That's it, man. Um, yeah, small forwards next. Uh, see you, Justin James. Yeah, there we go. Um, that will potentially be the next episode. If anyone, any listeners, have any episode ideas, definitely throw it, throw them our way. You can DM us on Twitter, um, and we will definitely take those into strong consideration since. We're really trying to figure out what content to put out for you guys during this suspension and break that's going on with sports and all anything NBA-related. So have any ideas, definitely be sure to send them our way. And hope you enjoyed this episode of the King's Bulls podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.